You play ball like a girl! Aren't you a girl? Gee, good eye. I'm a girl. That doesn't mean I have to wear a skirt. It's not a girl thing. It's not a boy thing. It's a skills thing. When I first started playing tennis, women weren't really encouraged to play sports, let alone excel in sports. Just want to play ball. Welcome to Ball Like a Girl. And here's your host, Olivia Stacy. I love that intro so much. Um, hey, everyone. Welcome to our introduction to Ball Like a Girl, presented by Heavy.com. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Olivia Stacy. So to start, I'd like to give some background on the inspiration behind this podcast. And I want to start with the name. The phrase, like a girl. It can be used in a variety of ways. It's used in relation to sports, such as you play ball like a girl. We all remember that Sandlot scene, right? Or you run like a girl. What does that mean? It's generally used as an insult, right? However, I don't think so. If someone told me I run like a girl, you know what I think of? Shalane Flanagan, who was the first American to win the Women's New York City Marathon since 1977, by the way. If someone told me I play like a girl, I mean, I don't mind being in the company of Serena Williams or Abby Wambach. <laughs> you get the point. We're turning that phrase on its head because it's a really unique time in the sports landscape for women. I mean, we're seeing women's roles changing, not just from an athletic point of view, but in sports management, in coaching, and of course in the media. We're seeing women take on play-by-play and analyst roles in professional men's sports, which in recent history would be unheard of. But you know, unfortunately, there's still a lot of bias and there's a lot of pushback. I mean, if you're a sports reporter who's a woman at some point, unfortunately, you'll probably hear something along the lines of, well, you never played professionally, so how can you possibly know what you're talking about? And I find this particularly really funny because while there are a handful of former pro athletes turned into good sports commentators, there are many more who never played professionally or even were decent in high school, who have gone on to be prominent writers, great analysts, and solid reporters. Because let's face it, you don't have to have a professional athletic career to be a good sports journalist. But guess what? You don't have to be a man either. And yes, you can be a woman and talk about receiver running routes. <clears throat> Cam Newton. Um, but really, I think it's a fascinating and exciting time for women in sports. And especially when you think that less than 50 years ago, which in the scheme of things is recent history, women weren't even allowed in locker rooms just to do their job. I mean, essentially, they couldn't do the same job as their male colleagues. And that placed them at a huge professional disadvantage. That was a way to keep them out. And that was the norm. And it wasn't that long ago. So a lot of progress has obviously been made since then. But female sports reporters still have a unique set of challenges based on gender. And so that's going to be a large part of the discussion that we're going to have on this podcast with a variety of women who are prominent in this field. The sports media landscape is a space I'm pretty familiar with. So I want to give a brief background on who I am 
I'm a sports reporter based in Tampa, and I've worked in sports media in a variety of roles, from written content to broadcasting, and I've worked a lot in the digital space too. I am not going to lie. I I love my job. I am so thankful uh, for the women who came before me who were trailblazers in this profession to make it normal for a woman like myself to have an interest in sports, of course, and then to pursue it as a career. And most of the time, you know, it's not an issue. I have amazing male colleagues who respect me, who want to hear my opinion on things, who invite me to come on radio shows and and TV broadcasts to dissect games and, and to give my thoughts on a variety of topics in the sports world. Um, you know, I really have been afforded great opportunities and I've been able to cover quite a variety of different sports, uh, starting on the high school level and working my way up to college and professional sports as well. But I've also faced some challenges too. Um, For for as many good moments in my career, I, I faced challenges that are not uniquely my own, that I talk to friends of mine in this industry Um, And and it's a very similar story. There's still gender bias. It's 2017, but there's still pushback. Um, And speaking of, you know, all the different things that I've covered, it leads me to what I did this summer. And I had an opportunity to be the sideline reporter for a lot of the national pro fast pitch games. So as a former softball player, it was an amazing experience. I mean, I never was nearly as good as these women. I mean, not even close. But I have a love for the game. And, you know, when I would tell people that I was covering the NPF, many people who are huge sports fans didn't even know there was a professional fast-pitch team. They're like, what? That They get paid to play softball? Like, I didn't even know something existed after the college level. And as I was covering these women – who are fierce athletes, by the way, I remember thinking they don't nearly have the amount of exposure they deserve. They're exciting to watch. They're incredibly good at what they do on the field. And and they're neat people to talk to as well. I mean, they have really interesting outlooks on, on not just their game, but in sports in general and on the landscape of sports for women and for men. But, you know, it's not just the NPF that's overlooked. Think about the U.S. women's national soccer team and hockey team. There are huge disparities between men's and women's sports. And there have been pretty much since, since their existence. Um, you know, I'm not just talking about media coverage. This is in pay, development programs, even travel accommodations. The women's hockey team wasn't flying in the same class as the men's. Um, and, and actually, they took, a, they took a huge step forward when they reached a historic pay deal, actually, in March. Um, and equal pay and benefits is more than warranted, but their fight was more than just money. They demanded equitable support, which included additional marketing efforts to, to really advance the growth of the game, uh, which I really respected. And putting into place more development programs for younger athletes so they knew they could work up to a professional level. When you look at the U.S. Women's National Ice Hockey Team, they're a really great example of the types of discussions that we want to have on this podcast. 
they've been one of the most dominant teams in international competition for the last two decades. But they don't have the same support. So it begs the question, what will warrant more support? If it's not Olympic medalism, if it's not winning championships, what will? What will do that? So on this podcast, we hope to discuss and bring light to some of these issues, but we also want to celebrate the women who are changing the sports media landscape and have fun with it. So each week, here's the deal. We're going to bring on a guest who is a part of or who has influence in the sports landscape for women. And we're going to have a mix of interesting, fun, relevant, and serious discussions to highlight all of these important issues, but also explore the challenges and the successes that are happening for women in the sports world, because it really is an exciting time. So we've already recorded our first official episode, which we're really proud to announce features Nicole Auerbach as our guest. She's a senior writer for The Athletic. You've probably read a lot of her columns. Uh, She's also an on-camera analyst for the Big Ten Network. She offers some really interesting insight on how she achieved so much success early on in her career. And spoiler alert, it was a lot of hard work (laughs) and dedication. Um, But she also opens up about, you know, how she sees the field evolving and what it means for women in the sports industry. As you know, she she talks about a lot of relevant issues that are important in sports and beyond, including why she felt it was important for her to join the Me Too campaign. So we're going to give you a sneak peek, just a little bit of a tease of what to expect next week. Take a listen. And relationship building is such a huge aspect of the job. I I think people from the outside don't realize that interviews aren't handed to you. Sources aren't handed to you. You don't have a set time, you know, for one-on-one interviews on a weekly, daily basis with these coaches and players. Um, So, you know, from your, your mindset, how do you approach that relationship building experience as someone who's younger and let's face it, as someone who's a woman, because, you know, that that could provide also another obstacle in some situations. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and, and I do think that people don't quite realize that. Or maybe they, again, and this is, you know, people outside of the industry think that everything is maybe in a press conference or something because right. that's what they see on TV. What's more frustrating is, and this is just a complete aside, but, like, there are a couple people I've seen within the industry um, talk about how, like, basically everyone, start quote, like, almost everybody gets their interviews through publicists. And I'm like, that is not the case at all. Like, you build relationships. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to do it through publicists. You don't have to do it tied to a book tour or anything. But anyway, that's an aside. There, there, <laughs> there are people who who get access through brands and, and publicists and stuff, and, like, that's a completely different world. You, I, I personally try to avoid doing that as much mm-hmm. as possible. Yes, but, you agreed. know, sometimes with, like, the Olympics, you kind of have to. Um but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think I've always tried to approach any relationship building and, and that was, you know, you know, when you're networking with editors and writers um, and then eventually sources, once you have a beat, I just always try to be genuinely interested. Like I, I can tell when someone, when I meet someone, if all they're interested in is getting something out of me mm-hmm. and I never want people to feel that way about me. So yes, I may bug them when there's a coaching change or something is going on. But I'm hoping that prior to that, we have built 
enough of a solid relationship where they understand that I am genuinely interested in what they think about things, how things are going, um, you know, even their thoughts on teams in their league, you know, just all sorts of things, mm-hmm. you know, how their family is doing, how they, they just moved from North Carolina to Lubbock. What's Lubbock like? <laughs> like, like that I actually care about them as a person and not just as a potential uh, they've confirmed that their head coach got fired mm-hmm. person. Right. And I think that, um, you know, that takes time and it doesn't always, you know, result in like a newsworthy um, confirmation or tip, you know, right away. But, but I think that people value that. And I think one way I was able to see it, that was really that, that relationship part was really paying off um, was, you know, I'd go, I live in New York and I would go to a lot of, basketball games not to necessarily write about them but just to say hi to the coaches afterwards and um they always appreciate that you show up and that you're there and you go out of your way and you know i get introduced to billy donovan and introduce him to his wife and and we talk about i had done a story and talked to one of his sons and you know all of these different things and then you realize like the next time you go to gainesville to sit down with billy donovan he's way more comfortable with you and mm-hmm. he's going to give you way better answers and be more candid and open. And so that was something that I noticed before it came where you're able to like kind of confirm a lot of news real quick. It was just that the relationships were on good footing because the next time I saw them and needed them for an actual on the record interview, they were way more forthcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that that is something that also people don't talk about when you when you do talk about sources is that, you know, you can get much better stories, much better anecdotes and quotes when people trust you and are very comfortable about you. And it's a conversation and not, you know, a Q and a, and I think that um, that's where I first started to notice it. Um, but yeah, so, so just, I know I'm rambling, but to your no, gender, specific question yeah I mean that's something I've, I always think about have always thought about um and I've always tried to explain this to my male coworkers too because they don't have to think about the things that I do I've always tell them I'm every day I'm thinking about what I'm wearing I'm thinking about how I'm asking people for their phone numbers this is mm-hmm. how I often do it they, they're like wait I never think about that I'm like right because you're a guy asking another guy for his cell phone number like it doesn't there, there's not a any you know implied that, that could be misconstrued right and so I would always, you know, I'd be talking to someone and I literally did this yesterday. It's like, hey, is it possible to get your phone number to stay in touch? And maybe if I have any follow up questions about this article, I always couch it in all of that. Mm-hmm. And then then I'm like, OK, um, what time am I texting or calling my sources? Uh, what tone am I using in the text message? You know, like I mm-hmm. and I list all of these things off in addition to thinking about what I'm wearing and you know how I'm interacting with people in person and, and all X, Y, and Z. And I tell these to my male colleagues who have the same job I do, and they go, oh, my God, I don't think about <laughs> any of those things. And I'm like, yeah, at a daily basis, we have the same job, but it's much more exhausting and requires more from me. And they're like, oh, you're totally true. You're totally right. So that's just a small glimpse of what you can expect next week. Hate to leave you hanging for more, uh, but – Really, you, you want to come back next week because Nicole offers some, like I said, I, I can't say it enough, just some really interesting, relevant insight on the sports landscape for women. Um, but in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud. We're coming soon to iTunes. And we're also on social media. So follow us on Facebook at Ball like a Girl and on Twitter. Our handle is at B-L-A-G pod. 
Check us out on Instagram too. Um, We're really happy to have you here. Join our discussion and come back next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care.